how do we steward a business for God's glory? And one of the things that is important when we think about stewarding our business is the business organ, like the, what is a, what is a business? Is it the paperwork that says I have an official LLC and have to pay taxes? Is it what I do for people? Is it the packages I offer? Is it the, what the bank account says? Like, what is a business? And for me, a business is the people. The biggest part of a business is people because I couldn't have a business without people. I like, if nobody was there to serve, I would have no reason to serve. There would be nothing to do. Right. So it's all about the people, but it's not just the people on the other end of the transactions. It's also the people that help me do what I was created to do because I believe none of us were created to exist in isolation. If you look at all of the spheres that God created in the world, every one of his spheres of authority, his spheres of relationship is a sphere of relationship. There's not a single one that was, the government was not created by itself. There's, there's government and there's people, right? Church was not created. There's pastor and there's flock. Your family was not created uh, in isolation. There's, there's parents and there's children, right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. There's community everywhere we go. And in our business, we also have community. We don't do this by ourselves. Interestingly enough, a flamingo who gets estranged from his flamboyance, from his flock, cannot live. He needs the flock. He needs the flamboyance for protection, for provision, for, for food, like for, for socialization, for that fellowship, right? The flamingo cannot exist by himself and neither can you. And so in your business, even if you are a solopreneur at the moment, there are people who God has already designed to come alongside and help you. And some of those will have official titles within your business. Some of those will be paid by your business. Some of those may not, right? But there, all of this is, is part of your business. And so I want to start off this stewardship session today talking about the stewardship of the business itself and what does that look like? And to do this, I have to go back to number one, who's at the top of an org chart? Who do we usually think of? We usually think of a founder, a president, a CEO, right? We usually put them at the top. But in our business, we want to look at it with God at the top, with God being the owner. Do you believe that God owns it all? Then does he own your business? Then whose business is this? It's his business, not mine. And so instead of putting myself in as the founder or the owner or the CEO, I put, I put God at the top of this org chart and under him, then in my case, I put Tap and Katie and Tap and Katie get to be the CEOs and the stewards of God's business. That means Tap and Katie are submitted to God. That means Tap and Katie take their direction from God. That means God is in charge of who pays Tap and Katie's salary. Do you see how this makes sense, right? And that also means that Tap and Katie have certain responsibilities both to God as the owner and to anyone under us in the organization. I have a responsibility to answer to God for what I do with his business. I have a responsibility to him for how I use my time and my treasure and my team. I have a responsibility to him for doing what he wants, for getting the results he wants, which means I have to know him. I have to be in relationship with him. 
And this is a big theme through that Faith Like Flamingos book and the Flamingo Advantage book through our Business with God classes some of you have been through. You have to put God in his rightful place as owner of the business and you be the CEO. God is not your co-pilot. He doesn't take orders from you. You take orders from him. This is how this thing grows for God's glory and the growth of the kingdom. And so when we do that, we put ourselves in place as CEO of God's business, then we get to steward the rest of what happens, right? And scripture-wise, um, you guys have read, I'm sure, the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. Um, a man went on a journey, called his servants to him. He gave three different servants, three different amounts of money. And each of those three servants were entrusted to, to take care of this investment until the owner returned. So when God puts this business in your life, it's just like that owner, that, that landowner putting things in care of the people under him. And what was the expectation in that? The expectation was, you're going to take care of this. You're going to steward it. You're, get, you're going to... Uh, invest this for the good of whom? For my good? Is this about me and what I can do? No, it's for the good of the owner, right? This was still them managing his stuff for him to make him look good, to give him something when he came back, to give an account to him when he came back. And we know the story, right? The one went out and it says he went out quickly and he invested the money he was given and made a return. The other one went out and also invested the, the amount he was given and made something back. And the third servant went out and safeguarded what he'd been given. He, he took care of it, but he didn't do anything to grow it. And he was the one that got reprimanded when it was time to give an account to the owner. And so when God puts this business in your hand, if we're going by what we're hearing, in the, the Matthew chapter 25 example of the story, the expectation is that we're not just going to take care of this and keep it safe, but that we're going to grow it. That we're going to make good decisions about how we're going to grow it. That we're going to expect an ROI. And in business, you need to expect an ROI. When I have a choice between a good and a good, which one gets me more return, right? When I have a, a, a chance to take a risk that might get something back, what do I do? I make the best decision possible with the knowledge and the experience that I have with the intent to make an ROI. And so as we're looking at decisions in our business, we need to be looking at it this way. This is not just about what I want to do. This is about what God has entrusted to me to steward. And I'm deliberately not using the word manage here to steward for him because that implies that it's for someone else's good and that there will be an ROI, a return on the investment, if you don't know what ROI means, all right? And so even in my team, as I'm looking for what I can do to grow my team, one of the things that I want to be looking at is who could I hire that would help to grow this thing? And by hire, I don't necessarily mean full-time you know, employee and tax status and all of that even just delegating tasks, right? There's a book called um, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. It was published in 2023. And in that book, Dan Martell talks about this buyback principle. And the buyback principle means 
that if there's somebody else that can do the same job I'm doing for one fourth of the money that I could make in that time, I need to delegate that thing to someone else. All right. So think about it. If I could spend an hour doing this task or I could spend an hour doing whatever and my, my rate, my, whatever I make an hour, let's just say to make math easy, it's a hundred dollars. They say you should never do math on stage, right? If I make a hundred dollars an hour, cause I'm a specialist at what I do and I could do this, I could be checking email or I could be coaching for a hundred dollars an hour, right? If I could pay somebody else $25 to check my email and send me what's important and take care of all the things that I don't personally have to answer, that's a better investment for my business. Because if I go make 100 coaching at the same time she's checking email for 25, we've just made a $75 profit in that hour and gotten two tasks done. Do you see how that makes sense? So you take your hourly rate what is one fourth of that? And if you can pay somebody else that one fourth an hour price to go do those things, those are the things that you can begin to delegate as long as you don't have to personally touch those things. Does that make sense? So when you're looking at who do I hire? How do I get help? What do I delegate? These are the kinds of things that you want to look at, right? Now, there are some things that are just your genius zone and you need to do those things. So do those things. But all the rest, can you can begin to delegate to other people. And this gets us an ROI in the business. It's a better stewardship of both the time and the income of what we're able to produce in our business and the results that we're getting. All right. So then in your org chart, when we're looking at how do I want to grow this thing? Look at all the things that you do. All right. So I am usually the one coming up with our marketing. I'm the one that comes up with the, the, the ad copy for our emails. Um, I also am the one who does the coaching. I'm the one who does the teaching. TAP does the tech. TAP does the errands. But then there's other things that I have to do in my business, right? Somebody's got to do taxes. Somebody's got to do weekly accounting. Somebody's got to answer emails. Somebody's got to help in the Facebook group. Somebody's got to um, manage the ads if we're running ads, right? And so I end up with all these different things. And you know what I did? I mapped out all of those things in our business. And three years ago, I put my face in every single one of those circles because I did it all, right? I had to do it all. We were, at, we were not at a point where we could delegate or hire at that time. And so I was doing all the things. But when I mapped it out, it helped me to see the big vision for where God was growing this. And today we have 11 people whose faces now take up a lot of those spaces. We have 14 people behind the scenes just for this event. We had to call in some extra hands. Everyone doing their own thing in their own genius zone. None of those are full-time 40-hour-a-week employees. Someone spends an hour a week on, on checking on the ads. Somebody else spends a couple of hours a week managing the Facebook group. Somebody else spends a couple hours a week answering messages, right? Those are not things I have to do. Those are things that could be farmed out because my coaching hours are making more money when I can delegate all, or, or uh, dedicate all my time to that. 
And so this is how we grow. And with the vision cast for where God is growing this, this is part of how we steward. The one who was given 10 talents didn't go out and say, well, I guess it's just going to be 10 forever. He went out with a vision for growth. He went out for a vision with what could be done here. How could we grow this thing? What would it look like if? These are the questions that God wants you to be asking as you steward this business for him. And then you can start looking at, okay, who could I get to go and do some of these things? And then how could I mentor them? Because a big part of stewardship is mentorship. The owner who delegated to those, steward, to those stewards in scripture was delegating with mentorship. Part of the lesson of the reward, rewarding them for good was a mentorship process, teaching them life lessons and business lessons. And this is what we get to do as well. And so when you're thinking about your stewardship of the business that God has put in your hands, don't forget about the vision for growth. Whether you're talking about team and people or whether you're talking about a certain investment, a certain class you need to take or something that's going to help you grow, a conference like that, like, don't forget the ROI of that vision for growth and where God is taking you. And that book uh, by Dan Martell is really, really good if that's something that you're struggling with.